Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the Soundtrack to a Life. Something's wrong cause my mind is fading And everywhere I look there's a dead end waiting Temperatures dropping at the rotten oasis Stealing kisses from the leprous faces Welcome back to the Soundtrack to a Life. I continue to be Chris. With me today is Liv. Liv! Hello! How you been since we saw you last? Oh my god. <laughs> so many things. Stress, school, annoyances. You got into a university. I've got tentative acceptance as of this point into ULEF, so that's not bad. That's one less thing on your plate. One less thing. I still have to do the audition, but it's not the end of the world. Hey, it's that time of year. I've got till June 15th. Not the end of the world. Yeah, you've got plenty of time to prep. Mm-hmm. It is not June. No. Listeners at home. It's not. If you're listening to this on June 1st, because that's when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> I've got 15 days to do an audition. I'm fine. That seems fine. That was me in January, the, or in February, though, because friggin' the February 28th was the UFC audition that I just said, no, I'm not doing that. No, it checks mm-hmm. out. No. It checks out. It's better to not do an audition than to fuck it up so badly that you burn bridges. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's better to not do an audition. Yeah. And Liv and I are here today talking about Beck's 1996 album, Odelay. Odelay was, to me, the biggest surprise of the 90s. Loser had been a huge international hit two years before, yes. But it had been the kind of hit that, to me, screamed, You will never need to learn my name. I'm not going to be a famous person in two years' time. And in 1993 and 94, there were a lot of bands like that. The music industry threw a lot of spaghetti against the wall in the aftermath of Nevermind, and a lot of it didn't stick. Which made for an interesting period in music history, and gave a ton of bands that were too weird for radio a moment of mainstream attention, but it didn't lead anyone, I should think, to expect much from Beck's eventual follow-up. I should have given Beck more benefit of the doubt, we all should have, because when Odelay came out, it hit like a bomb. The songs from this record were everywhere in 1996 and 97. The videos dominated much music, back when dominating much music meant something. Beck's cultural moment had well and truly come, and this loose, laid-back mix of funk, hip-hop beats, weird alt-country, and God only knows what else, seized in some corners the public imagination in a way that would not let it go. Not for decades. I'm still a Beck fan. He still matters enough to me that last year's record got me genuinely excited. And his next one will too. Because there's no one like Beck. No one else could do his job the way he does. He cuts a unique figure in popular music, and an irreplaceable one, even as he stands apart from it, as though part of him knows he doesn't belong there. There is a universe, perhaps the majority of universes, in which Loser was indeed a one-hit wonder. And those universes are poorer for it. If Nevermind suggested that an artist could eschew any notion of what pop or rock ought to be and find their way to a mass audience through talent, charisma, and determination alone, Odelay proved it, and Beck continued proving it through the rest of his career, with his dogged refusal to acknowledge such things as fashion or even genre, choosing instead to follow the whims of his own particular muse, wherever they might lead him. Which is a risky way for an artist to run their career, but it sometimes leads to the creation of a record like Odelay. And when it does, it makes that risk incredibly worthwhile. So, Liv, 
You've never heard Odalite by Beck, and now you have. What do you think? I seem to have a streak of getting the albums that are really weird. I first listened to it, and it was... I immediately recognized Devil's Haircut because it's a song that Dad would listen to constantly. It's so catchy, and, like, it makes me think of those cheesy 90s, early 2000s TV shows that would, like, zoom in on street corners and all that playing in high schools. That's what I thought of. I'd walk into school, and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> too much. That. I'll buy that. But, um... I got to just, like, I kept listening to it, and it kept shocking me every single time because I could never prepare myself for what would come next, even though I had already fully listened to the album. And the first time I listened to it, I can't remember the name of the song right now, but there's one where it just starts out with a scream. That was a little terrifying. (laughs) That one scared me. I feel like, though, now... It wouldn't have shocked me back then as much as I think it would now because I'm not used to songs just being out there like these ones are. Yeah, I think Beck probably benefited more than anybody from the fact that any band could get on the radio. Like, this is so weird and it's so hard to pin down. If genres of music were more codified when it came out, nobody would have known where to put this in a record store. But with alternative as a giant umbrella yeah. <laughs> covering anything, I, I guess it counts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you were to put an image to this, this one would be a Rorschach test. Like, his music in general, just because you, like, it's depending on how you're, li- like, the person listening to it. It's just all over the place, and it's wonderfully good at that. Yeah, it's super weird. And yeah, Devil's Haircut was all over the place as it came out. And rightly so. Like, how good is that as, it's a, so good. as an album opener? It's so catchy. Yeah, and it just Ugh. tells you that you're in for a ride. Yeah, because you listen to it and you're like, oh, this is going to be catchy. But then it changes halfway through. And then it goes back to normal. But then it changes again. You don't even know what's going on anymore by the end of it. Yeah, here's some hip-hop beats and some slide <laughs> yeah. guitar. What's going on? Yeah. I just, I was, I was asking myself that a lot while listening to it. Also at a time when I got the album, it was also at a time where I was like, I don't even know what's going on with my own life. And this album is just cherry on top of the Sunday or whatever to make my life even more confusing. But sometimes you need that. You do. Cause like, I wouldn't be where I am now, which is much more calmer with everything that's going on in my life and much more accepting of my personal life and my school life and all of that. If it weren't for the fact that it was so chaotic and I had basically a soundtrack to what my chaotic December, February, January idea was. Oh my god, we're in spring now. Yeah. <gasps> it's not minus 20. Oh my god. For the first time in weeks. Oh my god. We deserve this. We do. I mean, I'm tired of freezing my butt off in the basement. Can't wait to move into res. Woo! That'll be fun. It will be. I'm excited for that opportunity of uh, roommates and realizing how much I truly hate interaction with people. Oh, yeah, that'll be, <laughs> yeah, that'll be a thing. People you can't escape. Well, the thing is, though, like, the res that I've signed up for, they've got, like, the stereotypical one where it's, like, you're all in a hallway, there's two people per room, you don't have any privacy. But they've also got ones where it's, like, apartments of three to four bedrooms and stuff like that, and you each get your own bedroom, and then you share a kitchen, a bathroom, and, like, a living room and stuff like that. Which is the one that I'm going for because... Privacy is a thing that I need. Yeah, sometimes you need to be alone with your thoughts. I'm a musician. I need that a lot. And good quality headphones can only do so much for you. Yeah, that's true. Although, invest in good quality headphones. Oh, yeah, and a lot of earplugs. That's a fact. Yeah. Put on some Beck. Yeah. Uh, on this record, Beck uh, sings, plays the electric guitar. He plays the slide guitar himself. Oh acoustic guitar. He plays the bass. He plays the organ. Oh, my God. He plays the clavinet. He plays the electric piano. 
He plays the synthesizers and the harmonica. He plays the drums and the percussion and the thumb piano. He plays the Roomba box. He plays the xylophone. He is the one scratching on turntables. And he plays the echoplex. So is he doing everything? Is there something that he's not doing? I mean, he might bring some people. But I have, like, a weird prejudice against people who make super weird music, where I'm assuming that they are all strange multi-instrumentalists doing it by themselves. I mean, who doesn't? That's um, me. I make really weird music, and I do everything on my own. I even mix my own music on yeah, my own. Yeah. And in a lot of the cases, like with Bjork, she brings in producers and mm -hmm. she hires musicians. But in Beck's case, it's absolutely the case of a weird multi-instrumentalist <laughs> operating in a studio with nobody telling him what to do. I feel like it's just, this could be like he was just trapped in a studio and he was bored and this was the masterpiece that came from that. That makes sense. I feel like that's definitely fitting. And it's definitely something that people should do more often. Not saying trapping people in a studio is a good idea. Kidnapping people is a bad idea. But, like, solitary confinement so that you can create music is never a bad thing. Yeah. It apparently um, took a really long time for him to finish it as well. Well, if you're doing uh, every single yeah. instrument you could ever think of on the tracks, yeah. Yeah, Stephen Malkmus from Pavement, who I guess is a friend of Beck's, would joke that Odelay is a pun. God, is it? On, oh, delay. Oh, my God. Because of how long. Oh my god! For Beck to finish recording. <laughs> Shit. So, Beck, <laughs> multi instrumentalist and lover of dad puns. Oh it's actually a phonetic uh, English rendering of the Mexican slang interjection. Oh. Orale, uh, which loosely translates to listen up or what's up. Oh. And the fun thing about hosting a show like this is that I have a reason to look up what the fuck an Odelay is. Yeah, I was like, I didn't understand that. And I looked it up and I didn't get like the, the phonetic thing. So it's like, is it just a word he made up? Can we do that? Yeah, we can do that. I mean, selfie's a thing. And like, we've gotten a lot of new words, but that, like that in the 90s, was there a lot of new words in the 90s? Yeah, there's about the same amount of new slang okay. every decade. Okay. I had, a, I had a book for a while. I don't know where it is. I used it for improv purposes of the major slang terms from like 1900 <laughs> to 2000 and whenever the book came out. Yeah. And then I would pick a decade <laughs> and just go what through. What is hip with the brewskis? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk like a 19-year-old, but from 1912. <laughs> That's depressing. I think it's a capital idea and bully for me for following up on it. <laughs> I'd watch that show. Like, that's right? great. Right? Um, it's important as I age, because if I use the slang from my actual youth, it dates me. Yeah. Whereas if I use the slang from a random person's youth... Doesn't work. Who knows? Now it's all over the map. Yeah. Um, no, that should be a new theme, is every episode you pick another decade and you use slang from that. No, yeah, no, that's... Slang is weird, and I don't understand it, and I don't like using a lot of slang. Personally, especially when I write songs, because I've been before I was a songwriter, I was just like a writer. Like I'd write short stories and fan fiction and all that stuff, and I still do. I still write a lot of fan fiction, <laughs> but um, I was taught unless you are doing a dialogue, slang isn't something you use in a story, or you don't use like shortcut words like BTW or I can't think of any other. Yeah, you definitely shouldn't use BTW. Yeah. <laughs> Not in dialogue. Yeah. And so... Um, Although, I guess, like, if you want to be technical about it, a first-person narrator is having a dialogue with your reader. But that doesn't count. 
Like, literary rules exist, and you should learn them and then break them. Exactly. For purposes. For yeah. branching out purposes. It should be Much conscious. like this album. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, like, no, I just, like, you find this a lot in fan fiction, mostly, like, so shitty that it's hilarious fan fiction, that the writing, if you use the shortcuts and if you don't properly spell things, it takes away from the actual story you're trying to tell. I always treat songwriting as a story. I would never use slang in the songwriting, and I've started doing that now, and I don't know what's going on. It's just like, I do it for rhyming purposes, mostly, I think. Because I can say BTW and rhyme it with something that ends with, like, you, true, stuff like that, but not actually have my brain be like, oh, it has to have o uh, OU or UE or something like that. It's wild. That makes sense. Like, the ability to make your rhyme work and your lyrics scam is more important than the language that you're using, unless you're Elvis Costello, in which case, have every lyric be a paragraph, people will follow you on this weird, overwordy adventure that you're taking them on. Yeah. But the majority of people aren't Elvis Costello and should not fuck with that. I always feel like my rhymes are just kid rhymes. You always, like, there's three types of rhymes you can do, that you can do the, um, ABAB, which is crossed. I, I'm literally translating from French because we just finished poetry, so I have that in my head. Crossed rhymes, you can do, um, I don't know, like the ABBA, ABBA rhymes. But you can also just do AABB, which is just plain rhymes, which I feel like I do a lot of, which freaks me out because I'm like, oh, does this make me a bad songwriter because I'm only doing this pattern? But I think I figured out a way to make it work, so fuck you if you think I'm bad. Yeah, if you like the song when you come out at the end, then the process is less relevant. It's a little, yeah, like I've, actually I just recently, when we're recording this, released a song that I was like, three days before I recorded it, I was like, okay, here's a song that I just wrote, and then I recorded it, and then I released it, and I'm like, I'm still in love with this song by the end of the process. What the fuck? Is it on Spotify? No, but it is on Bandcamp. All right. The Andy Band. I'll link it in the news. Woo! I can understand why it takes so long, why it's an O delay thing. That was so bad, I can't believe I just said that. For him, because (laughs) he's the only person doing all of the instruments. And though I'm not doing, like, every single instrument like him, I usually have either piano vocals, backup vocals upon backup vocals, maybe bass, maybe ukulele with my songs. That still takes a lot of time. But then I'm also mixing it all. And, like, I tend to do a song a night, so it would be, like, start at 8 o'clock, finish at 1 in the morning. But then get yelled at by the neighbors for being loud. Yeah, whereas in this case, it was him in the studio with his producers. For, like, nine to five. The Dust Brothers produced this. Mm -hmm. They also did Paul's Boutique for the Beastie Boys. Yes. They did, uh, with Beck again, Guero, they got back together ten years after this Mm -hmm. came out. They did the soundtrack to Fight Club. Oh, my God. Uh, For some reason, they did Mbop by Hanson. We love that! One of these things. (laughs) We love that! Do we? Have we come back around on Hanson? Yes, we do. Okay, all right. It's just, you know what? I could hate songs by people. I actually, for the longest time, hated Take Me to Church by uh, Hosier. Now I'm like, oh, yes. Take me to church. I am ready for that. Which is really funny for me to say that because I'm actually currently, like, participating in the Bible study at my school because I feel like I've been undereducated in religion in my own personal, like, views of it. So, like, learn about religion. That checks out. You have pretty non-religious parents. They, yeah. Um, atheistic father no. that I love, but needs to realize that it's not all about atheism or philosophy. 
I love this because this is probably coming up after a month <laughs> in which I interview your father. Yeah. And he makes it absolutely clear that he feels he has not impressed his values on you. <laughs> I was listening He's... to that too. <laughs> I was listening to that. I was like, I love you, dad, but God. Yeah, this is definitely coming out the very next month <laughs> as a very specific subtweet to one listener. <laughs> Hi, dad. <laughs> No, okay, I love my dad, and he's such a wonderful person, he tries so hard to be not, he tries to be, like, not a helicopter parent, but also be there for me, which is really difficult. Yeah, it's a weird balance to It's a weird thing, and sometimes that backfires, sometimes it's great, not gonna go into detail with that. He just, he loves philosophy, and he loves talking about philosophy, and... I do enjoy it. I just sometimes I my brain can't process it because he's like, "What makes a song? Instruments and a singer? I don't know." Yeah, no. I mean, he's an opinion guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an opinion guy myself. I'm an opinion person. Yeah. And my opinion is that this album is wonderful. Hooray! Despite <laughs> despite the fact that it is insanely unable to put in a category. You hear people who's like, I don't like labels. I don't like being put in a box. This album is literally the definition of that. This is living that. And although it did, like, I think it was more impactful than I maybe gave it credit for. Yeah. Like, I thought he was a completely standalone type figure. But re-listening to it in preparation for this, indie hipster bands, Mm -hmm. and specifically American indie hipster bands from the Pacific Northwest in the early 2000s, owe an enormous debt. Oh, they do. Even now, I feel like if it weren't for the weirdness that Beck had, drawing back to Eden, my love of music, he like has weird songs too. And if it weren't for Beck being like, I can be weird and I don't care what people think, I don't think people could have the fucking weird songs they have now. Yeah. Plus just like his weird half-sung, relaxed, just talking, slightly too cool to care, resonated through alternative music in a way that the tension and anger of grunge frontmen did not. There are still frontmen trying to sing like that. Yes. Like today, fronting indie bands. Yeah. Because it works. It yeah, and like the, the, the not caring feel to it, too. Yeah. It's the same with like the Danny Warhols and all that, where it's like, I feel like for him, he like does really care about his music, but he gives the idea that, you know, music, let me sing my music, whatever. Yeah, it really gets, it mm-hmm. really gets across a very relaxed atmosphere. Mm-hmm. There's a very direct line, I think, between Beck and some of the Dandy Warhols. Mannerisms. Yeah. <laughs> if not music. And it's interesting, for what is basically chill-out music in a yeah. lot of places, how intensely detailed and structured the production oh, yeah. side of it is. I feel like, even if it is like... I, actually, I would chill out to this album. They're not in the way I would chill out to other albums that we've talked about. But, like, I could definitely relax and, like, put this on and, like, read. It's so low-maintenance but high-maintenance at the same time. Like, low-maintenance of you don't have to deal with a whole band, you're doing everything on your own, but it's high-maintenance of there's you are all these things going on at the same time. Yeah. Question, because I go back and forth on this. Yeah. Is Beck a good singer? That's a good question. Yeah, because he's, he's the perfect singer for Beck songs. But is he, like, I haven't heard him cover any other songs other than, like, I haven't heard him do anything other than his music, so it's like, is he a good singer? Yeah, like, there will never be a Beck-Adele duet. <laughs> Ooh. Much though I might want one. 
He lives in his own house. You know what? We never knew we wanted a Nicki Minaj and Avril Lavigne grouping together, oh, but God. that was a thing. Did that happen? That did happen. She oh, came wow. back. Heavens. It's 2008 all over again. No, um, I don't know. I feel like much like when I first started with Afternoon Tea Party, I was really good at singing but not singing. I did a lot of talk singing with them. And so I feel like it's... And even then, with my confidence, I was like, I'm not a good singer. But you get better. So maybe, like, he... When he did this, because it was, like, 1996? When he did this, he wasn't the best singer, but now he's maybe better? I, I don't know. I feel like he's... Fuck, what is... Like, he's that's... unique. Like, he's he's trading on his uniqueness. He is. Like, he Bob is Dylan, definitely. Bob Dylan, if anything, has become a worse singer hmm. over time. You know who hasn't become a worse singer? Bobby McFerrin. Is he I got, still good? I got to see him live for free through school. Oh, it was a gorgeous show to watch. And it was amazing. And he's he, he has not gotten worse. He has gotten better, if anything. Nice. He is the biggest talent in the world who I definitely only know from one <laughs> Luke novelty hit. Yeah, no, yeah, I, that's the only song I knew by his. But then we, he, the, my yeah, music he's like teacher. A, he's like a classically trained jazz. Bob McFerrin? Yeah. Yeah, bo- throat singer. So my music teacher showed us stuff, and he did, like, harmonies with himself. It was mind-blowing. It was so mind-blowing. Follow-up. Is Beck a good rapper? What kind of rap? Well, I mean... 90s rap? Or, like, current rap? Well, I mean, this was the 90s. By fitting 90s standards, I wouldn't say so. No? No, because... By current standards? Oh, definitely. They love to just sound bored and not enjoy what they're doing. But 90s standards, you actually, like, moved with it and stuff like that. I don't know. That's from the 90s rap that I've heard. That checks out. Yeah, he feels like he's in that weird place where Kesha and Anthony Kiedis live. I don't know. Kesha's gotten better. Yeah, Kesha sings for real now. I love one of her songs where she's just talking about being a woman and not giving a shit. And it's wonderful. Yeah. It's, I love all of her songs, yeah. unironically. I'm Unir- just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm going to admit it. I like Kesha. She's not a bad artist. Yeah. You get a really clear sense of who she is from the music that she makes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how important that was. Yeah. Until pop artists stopped doing that. Until we just had cookie-cutter pop artists, one after the other. Yeah, like I could not tell you three things that I think Post Malone is probably like from his music. I had no sense of them. Whereas you listen to any Kesha song, you know exactly what hanging out with Kesha for an evening is going to be like and can form your opinions thusly. Yeah, but then you can also like hanging out with Kesha in like 2010 versus hanging out with Kesha in 2019. Two different evenings, yeah. pretty much. But I don't know. Back to the Post Malone thing, like, I don't know why people don't like him that much. I fairly enjoy his music, at least some of his songs. But it's again that thing of rap nowadays just fucks up like i don't want to be rude to rappers nowadays like there are some really good rappers but i just don't feel like it's as good as it was in the 90s like maybe that's something the 90s could from the 90s that could come back other things from the 90s don't need to come back but i mean rap... I'm, not, I'm not gonna agree with you because that will make me sound really old if i said that <laughs> but i'm gonna let you say it and then i'm just gonna let it hang there. use I'm... your slang from the yeah, 1912 yeah. um Post Malone. I like that one song from the Spider-Man movie. Oh my god, that song's so good. I haven't seen Spider-Man movie. I want to see it so bad. But that song is gorgeous. And I really like um Wow with a period. 
like just dot because yeah. that one's also really fun to just jam out to i know none of the words to the song oh god yeah me which either. is great if i have it in my head yeah i have it in my head just as gibberish just <laughs> i'm wandering around <laughs> going about my business <laughs> see the thing is <laughs> actually saying things though by how rap nowadays actually sounds oh come on well okay you can kind of prove some of the things he says but like i just don't understand i feel like if i sat down and listened to it through headphones i would immediately know what the words were i'm just unlikely to do that okay yeah that that takes time yeah. i could spend it listening to songs like freaking yeah. devil's haircut and yeah. All of the other stuff. Yeah. All the music that's ever been recorded is still around. Yeah. Thank God. Um, this was Beck's biggest record. Um, I, I can see that. Obviously. It wound up selling uh, 2.3 million copies <sighs> in the U.S. Hey, it was the 90s. You had to buy a physical object if you wanted to listen that's a, to some music. That's a good point. Now it's just like, yeah. oh, you know what? Yeah. Now they're doing streaming and physical media separately. And all of the bands at the top of the physical media chart are bands pitched at old people. I mean... Which I'd be lying if I said I didn't participate in. I've definitely... I have three records that I own. Two, technically two. But I say three because basically, like, I got, uh, got a record player for Christmas. Wonderful. With that, I got Weezer's Blue Album, which I was like, I saw it in the store and I was like, if it weren't for the fact that I'm saving money for Germany and it's Christmas coming up so I don't want to spend too much money, I would buy that right now! Yeah. And my grandma bought it for me because she saw me freaking out about it. So I was like, cool! <laughs> <laughs> Two wins. Um, but I also have Rev from last Christmas, Revolution Girl Style Now by Bikini Kill because Bikini Kill is an idol. Um, Riot Girl bands yeah. are dope. Yeah. There is Riot an alternate. There is an alternate universe in which Riot Girl brands blew up in the early nineties rather than grunge. Mm -hmm. I don't hate that world. I would love to go to that world. I like this world. I liked a lot of the grunge bands. I would have probably been just as happy with angry, articulate, overtly feminist, hardcore punk bands. I just, yeah. On yeah. mainstream pop radio for about four. Oh, that would have been so wonderful. Not for you. Not for me. It would have been wonderful for me. You're of the age I don't where get your that. major exposure to that would be whatever the Riot Girl equivalent of Nickelback was. Ugh. When they recycled <laughs> a couple of times Ugh. and major labels got their hands on it <laughs> and then landed it down a little bit. If Miley Cyrus <laughs> went punk rock. Miley Cyrus could go punk rock at any time. She could. I love the fact that she is now no longer in the fuck Disney phase. She's now like back to being like, you know what, it's not bad. That was a part of my life and I'm expecting that, but I'm going to move on. I feel like recently a lot of things have been coming back in the from the past decade that are, like, reminders of my childhood. Like, it freaks me out. Because, like, yeah, it freaks me out. Do you know Justin Bieber's married? I found this out today. I did not know that. Good for Justin Bieber? I feel bad for his wife. I mean... I, I haven't been keeping up with him. Last I time know. I checked, he was in jail. Yeah, no, I mean, he's not a great dude. <laughs> no. He looks like Matthew McConaughey in a movie where Matthew McConaughey's the bad guy now. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. <laughs> but I've also never met the dude, and Justin Bieber bashing got played out mm -hmm. by, like, his third single. I don't mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like Beck would be a cool dude, though. Yeah, I think he'd be cool to hang out with. I would love to hang out with him. He's he's very Scientologist. Oh, my God. But not in a... Scary way, Tom Cruise way? Overt, 
preachy kind of way. Okay. Which, like, I have a good attitude towards Scientology, in that I have a low-key bad attitude toward religion. In general. In a general sense, yeah. So, like, man, Scientology's beliefs are weird. All of your beliefs are weird. Every okay. belief is weird. I don't care. Yeah, just... He's out there making songs that I like and not bothering me about it. Yeah. Sounds great. Is he pressing his views of Scientology on me and his music? I don't think so. So let's just leave it at that. Is he going door to door talking to me about his God? Oh, God. Can't wait for that in Lethbridge. Does that happen in Lethbridge now? Mormon Central. Ooh, fun. <laughs> but, like, the moment you're like, no, thank you, they'll probably just leave me alone. So, or I could just be like, I'm a witch. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Every Mormon I've ever met has been, like, really even-tempered. Yeah, I mean, Max, my brother, was a Mormon. Once you get them talking about anything other than faith. True. They've been super chill, in my experience. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that is a stereotype that I am putting out there into the world, but... Stereotypes are I unavoidable. To, if I had to rank hardcore religious people in terms of who I would like to hang out with... I feel like Mormons wouldn't be too yeah. bad. Like, I don't know, maybe I'll be best friends with... I don't know. I just, this is from things that I've learned. I never... think Beck would probably be good to hang out with and talk about music. Yeah. After this blew up and was everywhere, his career settled back down into releasing records that would go gold but not platinum. I feel like but, that's not bad, though, because you're going yeah, gold compared to, it's like... right. Is there anything other than that? Gold or platinum? Is there, like, a silver, bronze? I think there's a diamond, eventually. Diamond after but platinum? You gotta be yeah, but you got to basically, like, be Michael Jackson in order to achieve I mean... that. But, yeah, like, for a band that's this weird and this singular... Yeah. That seems right. Gold but not platinum. Play to your cult of devoted fans. Yeah. A thing of like... And then everyone who does love you shows up on the first day. Yeah. If you, like, performed here, I'd totally go see it, even though I don't know a lot of his music, because I'd be like, oh, well, I'm in for a show. We're considering flying to Toronto to see him. That sounds and fun. And visit um, family out there. That sounds fun. I... Right? If we could afford it. Like, I haven't seen family out there in... Probably too many years. Yeah, there's a ukulele, brown-haired girl glasses, Dodie Clark, who's coming to Vancouver the day after Eden played in October. Ooh. So my friend was like, hey, this is happening. You want to repeat that? I'm like, it depends. I'll be in university, so it's like a little bit more to work around. But you never know. Might do that. Yeah. Yeah, this wound up hitting uh, number 16 in the U.S. Damn. 11 in Canada. Damn. 17 in the U.K. Not bad. As far as the singles go. Mm-hmm. Uh, where It's At hit number 47, Devil's Haircut hit number 51, and New Pollution hit number 39, which, like, yeah, that seems right. Yeah, yeah I, feel, I feel like Devil's Haircut should have been a bit higher, but that's just personal opinion. I yeah. just really enjoyed that one. Mostly because I feel like I have more connection to that one than I do, like, the other ones. I mean, yeah. New Pollution, too, because those two I for sure remember listening to with Dad, at least, in the car. And, like, Loser, I definitely heard through Dad. Like, again, with the Cure thing, it was, like, it wasn't that I had never listened to it before, I just never listened to the album and it in its story that it was telling. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And, yeah, I would put I would put those three singles yeah. up against any three-single run by any band that anybody wants to name, because they are super on point. If not in a, like, crazy top 40 radio way. Like, yeah. the 90s are remembered through their hip-hop and alternative scenes. Yeah. But the actual mainstream all over the charts music was Mariah Carey, Celine Dion. I mean... Garth Brooks was a huge superstar. Garth Brooks? Yeah. People mm. love Garth Brooks. I had the Moral other day, people exist. I had Celine Dion's Eurovision song stuck in my head. She was playing for Switzerland. 
for some reason. Because Canada can't do Eurovision. Yeah, they can't, but that doesn't mean I, I feel like she'd go to like Britain or that's France why, or... That's why we have to join the European Union. <laughs> we will place Britain. Yeah, we could, I take, mean... we could take that gig. We get to be part of a larger economic body that allows us to compete in a changing world. I feel like Canada's not doing like China or India. Awful. And we get to compete in Eurovision, which should not be the main reason why we would want to do it. But that. I feel like that should be too. Because yeah. Eurovision, like, we just did the Denmark Eurovision the other weekend. And it's just something that I always look forward to, but I keep forgetting it happens every year. Yeah. So, like, get come January and I get the invite, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that happens. I can't wait for that because it's so much fun. We make so many jokes. Yeah. I want to hear Drake and Avril Lavigne. <laughs> And Justin Bieber. Singing a ballad that they did not write <laughs> no. while wearing matching full-body jumpsuits mm -hmm. with the Canadian flag on them in sequence. <laughs> and joining like... Euro Eurovision is the way that we can make this happen. Yeah, but the great thing about Eurovision, too, is it's about finding, like, new artists in that thing. Yeah. I mean... But I don't... Okay, this isn't going to go anywhere because neither of us know and I'm not going to Google it. But I think all of the artists on the Eurovision stage are famous people in that country. Partially. So, like, there are times when you'll have Eurovision competitors that have, like, previously competed. Like, last year they had the guy who won 2009 Eurovision for Norway compete again for Norway. His song sucked ass. Like, did not do good. The first year was, like, in 2009 he did great. It was a lovely song. Every time I hear it, I just annoy Dad with it. It's hilariously fun to do. And, like, um, one in 2013 or 14, Denmark's winner had already released the song that she entered the competition with, and she won. But, like, other than that, I don't think they really are. It's through Eurovision that they get popular. Fair enough. Kind of like how through, like, the festivals we have here, unknown bands get a bit more popular. Well, I'd always assumed there was, like, the Latvian band is a band that is popular in Latvia. So they get well, the Eurovision gig. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like other than the fact that it's partially political, it's also just about is the song good? Yep. I okay. And um, by good we mean is the song fucking insane? <laughs> Speaking of, if you look look up I this is a little homework for the listeners, uh look up Eurovision Iceland for twenty nineteen. Their uh the, the fan favorite one. It's an experience. And I'm not going to say anything about what it is other than it's an experience that you should definitely have because... Nice. I'll leave it in the show notes. Yeah. So this uh, this record after it came out, it will not surprise you since Pitchfork and Stereo Gum would probably not exist if it weren't for the sort of music that Beck invented. Yeah. Critics fucking devoured this record. In a good way or a bad way? In a really good way. Yeah. Uh, it wound up being nominated for the Grammy for Album of the Year. Yeah, I could see that. It won the Grammy for Best Alternative Album. Yeah, it makes sense. It won the Grammy for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. Oh, definitely. He's been winning Grammys ever since. I mean, who doesn't? Like, I feel like once you win a Grammy, it's hard to not continuously You're on win that train. Grammys. It was, uh, at the end of the year, named Album of the Year by Rolling Stone, Village Voice, and New Musical Express. That's... the fuck? <laughs> um, in 2003, Rolling Stone ranked it 306th on its 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. That's not bad. And number nine on its Greatest Albums of the 90s. That's really not bad. What yep. was number one for that, then? I would have to look that up. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pitch Fuck you, Google. Right? <laughs> this is what happens when you do your research on Wikipedia. Pitchfork ranked it 19 on their 100 Best Albums of the 90s. Just people could not. 
And, like, that makes sense, because he is still... Did he win, not his most recent, but the one previous to that? I think he won Album of the Year. I don't And Kanye know. West did not approve. Kanye West doesn't approve of a lot of things, but he does approve of a lot of things that he should not have. Yeah, mm. yeah. But he has strong opinions on who should win Grammys. We all know about the Taylor Swift stuff. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed it when he did the same thing to Beck, because he did, after freaking out who the fuck is Beck style, quietly tweet, like a week later, <laughs> Hey you guys, I listened to the new Beck record, it's actually real good. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know what? This generation, people who enjoy Kanye concern me. And people who are like, did you, did you ever hear about the thing with four or five seconds where him, Paul McCartney, and Rihanna yeah. were all saying that? And people were like, oh, Kanye's so nice for giving Paul McCartney a like spotlight on his thing. And I was like, I'm sorry, Paul Mc McCartney was very nice to be featured on Kanye's song. I'm sorry. Here's two things about that, though. First of all, young people need to learn everything that they know somewhere, right? Like, if this is your first exposure to Paul McCartney... He's like a weird old dude you've never heard of suddenly yeah. doing a track with one of the biggest stars in the world. I totally get how people would respond that way. Yeah. And follow up, writing choruses for rappers is the perfect gig. Yeah. For Paul McCartney, right? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Like he's got a really strong melodic sense, but also he's in his seventies. Yeah. And would probably enjoy banging something out in a weekend and then going and spending time with I wanna say his grandkids. Yeah. But I, I think actually, better, like, when I was in junior high, one of the biggest things I was like, I'm going to be, I knew I was going to be a music teacher throughout junior high. One of the biggest things I kept telling dad, at least, was that I am going to have at least one day a year or, like, a day a month dedicated to a certain artist that has, like, the band has broken up or they're not performing anymore or they're not doing, like, they're not as big as they were. Like, Beatles, uh, Oasis, all that, just to, like, teach kids about artists in the past that have impacted generations and how that evolved into the music we hear today because i feel that's super important on top of learning how to play an instrument yeah learn the history of whatever it is you, you want to play a show tune okay once a month you got to listen to this group no more that, <laughs> that makes sense and a lot of the times you can tell yeah although i would contend probably not here with a lot of records that come out and then wind up changing the course of music with hindsight you can look back knowing what you know now about the course yeah. of music and go, oh yeah that makes sense yeah makes sense. but when it happens you're like but, uh but Beck, and Odelay in particular, looking back at it with a couple of decades of hindsight, it still sounds super fucking weird. It does. But that's the beauty of it, is it sounds weird, but you know that it's like, if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have some of the great songs that we have now. Yeah. So it's like... Plus, like, it's an artist that I got on board with because of weirdness, yeah. not in spite of. So I like that that part of it holds up. I mean, half of Loser to me is just him mumbling words yeah. that I don't understand. Like... What is the chorus? I don't know. I think it's in Spanish. Mm, that would make sense with Odalay, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just really likes Spanish. I want to say Beck's a bilingual person. I do, too. But, again... He might not I'm be. Not He's just... Yeah. No. Which, I guess, brings us close to the end. I guess. Uh, it's like 40-some-odd minutes. That's pretty good. I'm going to end with three questions, because that is what I do. As always. Liv, you going to listen to Odalay again? Oh, Definitely. You want to listen to some more Beck after this? Yeah. Solid. If you want uh, a next one to try, try Guero. If you want to listen to more weird shit that he mm -hmm. recorded with Dust Brothers, mm -hmm. try Sea Change if you want something that's quiet and introspective. Okay. He does this weird thing where he'll alternate weird records with like semi-acoustic personal records. I get that. Why not? He can get away with that. Yeah. It's very similar to what Nick Cave does with 
like sweeping haunting records and then a yeah. punk record. Yeah. He has those two sides to him and you never know when he's releasing something new. But of his acoustic ones, Sea Change is probably my favorite. I will let you know I also have a soft spot for Midnight Vultures. <laughs> he's trying to do like a Prince thing of oh sex God. funk. Oh my God. Uh, that doesn't always work. But, but you is, know, it could. It is too weird not to love. Yeah. And if we were going to go out on a song, what song would you want us to go out on? Definitely New Pollution. We're doing New Pollution. This has been the Soundtrack to a Life. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, share us, rate us. You guys, share and rate us. It is so useful to you should a do podcast. That. We're the perfect Woo! band. Liv, do you want to push it in? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Andy Band on Bandcamp has some songs out. So if you want to support my music career or just listen to some cool, funky, indie ukulele jams, you should listen to that. We're going to link in the show notes. This has been the soundtrack to a life. This is going to be the new pollution. We will see you two weeks from now, and we'll be talking about something different. She's got a cigarette on me, chum. She's got the lily white cavity quasars. She's got a carburetor tied to the moon.